For decades, America has tried to combat the harms of drug use primarily through banning drugs and incarcerating people who use them. But this has caused a violent underground market for drugs, increasing crime in our communities. It's caused contaminated substances, increasing overdose deaths, and it's caused incarceration to skyrocket, destabilizing families. What we're doing isn't working. Crime, death, and broken families are the collateral damage of using the criminal justice system to address the public health issue of drugs. If you're looking for a better path forward, you're in the right place. What if we changed our drug policies to prioritize life, health, harm reduction, and thriving? And what if it benefited all of us? Our criminal justice approach to drugs had a beginning and it can have an end. Join us on the journey to end it for good. I'm Christina Dent, your host. And if you're new here, End It For Good is a nonprofit started in 2019 based in Mississippi that invites people to support approaches to drugs that prioritize life and the opportunity to thrive. This podcast is one of the ways we do that. You can head over to episode 34 to hear my story as a conservative Christian foster mom changing my own mind on the best path forward with drugs, and then come on back and dive in deeper. I didn't change my mind overnight and most other people don't either. We all need time to learn, think, ask questions, and explore. Whatever your perspective is, I'm glad you're here. Let's journey together. Welcome back to the End of For Good podcast. I'm Christina Dent, your host, and joining me today is Jennifer Allen, who is our marketing and events coordinator for End It For Good. Jennifer, welcome. Hey, thanks. Glad to be on this episode. This is really great. So we are doing kind of a um, series of our team and what has changed all of our minds. I'm usually the one who's kind of out there talking about what's changed my mind. Um, but the rest of our team has all ended up changing their minds over time for different reasons at different points. And so um, Jennifer has a great perspective because um, she came to this um, as she came to end it for good. And so the kind of the, the journey of changing her mind. And so that has been a really helpful perspective for the rest of us who um, maybe had like a, a personal experience. It was kind of a catalyst to rethinking things. Um, Cause Jennifer often will be sitting talking about ideas and she'll be like, that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> or, you know, that, okay, that's only going to connect with somebody who's like deep in the weeds on this drug policy stuff. And so it's really helpful because she is able to to see it through the lens of just the regular people that we're trying to meet where they are and help them engage on an issue that maybe they don't have a personal reason why they're super interested in. And so, um, so I love that Jennifer brings that really helpful perspective um, for our team. So we're just going to dive in. Tell us a little bit about yourself, like pre end it for good. You've been here for a couple of years, pre end it for good. Tell us about Jennifer. Okay. Um, Let's see. I was born in Memphis, um, but I've lived in Jackson um, almost my whole life. I grew up at the Reservoir, went to Northwest Rankin and um, Ole Miss, where I got a marketing degree. Um, I worked for the very long ago WorldCom, which I loved. Um, Then I lived in Selma, Alabama for about five years after I got married and had three children. Moved back to Jackson. Um, My kids are in almost all three in high school. And, um, and I am just, I'm very involved in my church, um, and, and, and their school and them until, cause they're about to go to to college in a minute. So (laughs) that's sort of what I do. 
Jennifer often comes to like our Monday morning meetings and she's like, well, this weekend I went to bed at like 3 a.m. on Saturday <laughs> night. And because she's traveling around doing show choir stuff with her kids and dances, super involved dances, dances all kinds yes, of stuff. Her kids are involved in all the things in high school. <laughs> and so um, it's fun. She's got her, her fingers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about like mm-hmm. kind of your, maybe your experience or your journey on this issue. What mm-hmm. was it that kind of like, maybe what was your perspective before you ended up coming to work here and how has that kind of changed over time? You know, I, I did not have any background um, with addiction, with really drug use. Um, I never or at least at that point knew that I had anybody I knew that was incarcerated for uh, drugs or addiction. It just was, it was just not in my, on my radar really, to be completely honest. Um, I, I mean, I, I saw drugs probably in college, not even really that much in high school. Um, I just, that was just not, not that I even hung out with a certain group. It wasn't that I, I, there may have been people that did them in high school. I don't even know. Um, they didn't really do them around me. Um, and this, and it was almost the same for college. Um, I did smoke a little bit of marijuana in college, but it was just not something I was aware of. I think I grew up, my parents always kind of scared me um, about drugs, always that they would, I would be addicted to them as soon as I did them. And I, was afraid of that. I didn't want uh, to ever feel like um, I had to have something that um, yeah, that I was addicted to. So I, I just really stayed away from them. and marijuana. I probably just did because people had it and I just wanted to try it. And, but I never felt like that was something that I could be addicted to. That wasn't, we didn't really ever, that was not something I was afraid of. I knew there was a lot less risk maybe in doing that, but um, I still probably never, it never dawned on me that I could have gone to prison to just try those things. Like it, it just, just didn't even cross my mind. Um, so I think, I think, you know, my perspective was, was everything was going and doing what it was supposed to be doing. The war on drugs was doing its job. It was getting people off the streets. It was, um, incarcerating the right people. Um, you know, I, I just don't think I understood much about it because it just, like I said, it, it really wasn't, um, in, on my radar at all. It was not something I had experienced. Um, so when I, when I did meet you for the first time, I actually met with you and Angela, um, you explained it so eloquently and so, so easy that it just made sense. And it just, it was just something I never really thought about. Um, when I first started though, I remember when people were, were asking what I did now for a living. I was like, I'll tell you, but I don't know if I can explain it. Like I, I know, I've heard you say it, but it was a, it's just a lot to regurgitate and it's a lot to break down for somebody like me without having someone like you tell them about it. Um, it took me a long time to feel comfortable saying, this is what I do. This is what we believe. And this is why. And now I feel like I'm, I'm better at it, but I've been here more than two years. I would say it probably took me a good year to really feel comfortable and confident um, to feel like I could, I could explain it um, and, and not, you know, feel like I sounded like, what in the world is she talking about? Well, it's um, a good point though, because it, I think it's a good point that it, it helps people to see this. It is a really complex issue. So Mm -hmm. it's not like 
you know, oh, well, you know, five minutes and it and the light bulb comes on and people are like, oh, I, I get the whole thing. You know, for me, it was like a two year journey of changing my own mind, which people don't see that side because it happened before I ever started talking about it. So you don't get to kind of see that lengthy process. Um, but it is, it is really complex. And so it also makes it hard to talk about if you're, if you're kind of where you were when you first came of like, okay, it does make sense to me, but it's one thing for something to make sense to you. And it's another thing to kind of go out and like explain it to other people. Uh, I totally felt that too. When I started talking about it, it was like, if I say something about this, somebody is going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. And then I'm going to be like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, so I just decided, well, you know, if they do, it's just another opportunity to learn. Cause I know mm-hmm. this is really complex and I, I felt comfortable with kind of the, like the core principles behind ending the criminal justice system for drugs. Um, but there's still lots of things that are part of that, that, just take time to kind of like right. work through or like, Oh, I've never really thought about that particular angle of Portland. Go and learn a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's helpful that for, for others that feel like it makes sense to me, but I just, I have a hard time kind of explaining it um, to hear, Hey, we've all, we've all been there. It's a process of, of learning. And I think we love and we want people to go out and talk to others about it. Um, And that's why the TED Talk is so important. I do put people on our TED Talk um, because it does explain it without you having to really do it. It's you doing it. Um, And and then also, I think our events, it's so important. If you really want to start conversations with people and you want them to learn and we're coming to your city, that that's just such an such a great way to introduce it without necessarily putting your neck on the line of saying, come to this, learn about it. We'll learn about it together. Too. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let us do the putting our necks on the line. <laughs> <It's hard work. laughs> you, just, That's right. you just bring your friends. Just bring them along. <laughs> exactly. Hey friends, this podcast is just a part of the work we do at End It For Good, inviting more people to this conversation on changing the way we approach drugs and addiction. We want strong families, safe communities, and policies that uphold the dignity and value of every single human life. If you're not signed up for our monthly newsletter yet, head on over to enditforgood.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. You'll get all the info on the rest of the work that we do, including live events, and it'll get you plugged in to the End It For Good movement. So, So what for you on your learning journey was kind of the, like the most compelling, let's say it made sense to you, but there's a lot of places you could work that aren't doing this kind of work. That's kind of tip of the spear work. It's controversial. People don't always agree. So like what for you is sort of the compelling reasons for moving to a health centered approach to drugs rather than a criminal justice one? Like what gets you fired up? What, what makes you care about it? So I think when I was learning about this, meeting people and hearing their stories, um, hearing of, people who had lost a loved one because of an overdose, people who had been incarcerated for possession. I'll never forget. I, and I, and I can't, I don't remember the source, but it was a story that I had heard about a young high school student who was pulled over by police car. I'm in the like speeding or something. It wasn't anything. And he had half a joint sitting in his car and the police saw it and he had been offered a scholarship um, to a college. And basically the police just said, you know, this is a felony for you to have this half a joint 
in your car. And he just said, he started so- sobbing. He said, he's going to lose a scholarship. He'll not go to college. You know, who, who will have trouble finding employment once he gets out. I mean, just the trajectory of his life to think he had all this promise, you know, of, of doing great things with his life and for it to get squashed over this much marijuana. It just, it blew my mind. And it just made me so sad to think that he's just one of thousands of stories um, like that. Um, You know, I, that's when you see the real, the real problem with it is when you hear um, that happening to people and know that he's, he's not alone um, in that happening to him. So a lot of it was just hearing the stories. Was that something that you had sort of come across before or did those stories not touch you until you came to work here and began I just don't to think I ever heard of I never heard of those stories I never knew uh, you know that even happened um it just it you know like I said I, it, it just wasn't um something that happened to anybody that I know or knew of and so when I when I heard stories like that it just it it hurt to to think that could happen to anybody. I mean, it shouldn't happen to anybody. Um, so were you scared of that people. when you were in college, smoking a couple of joints here and there? Were you no. like, oh, I if I get caught, this is going to ruin no. my life? Never crossed my mind. Didn't didn't even know that was a possibility. Um, I just no, I it did not. Friends yeah. weren't worried about that. Mm-mm. No, I mean, not that I that not that I knew of. Um, like I just it. Yeah, it, it didn't, it seemed harmless, did not seem like I was breaking the law those couple of times that I even did it. Um, and I didn't, when the people that, that did have it, I don't know where they got it. I don't, I don't know any of that, but it's the fact that they could have gone to jail for a lengthy period of time, never crossed my mind. Hmm. And then, and then you heard these stories, then you hear about people who, um, you know, who've lost loved ones that when they got contaminated substances, I think now, and, you know, more and more you know, the things on the street are just so much more dangerous. I talk to my kids about it all the time when I probably would not have, again, probably had any sort of education for them about it. Now I'm like, tell your friends, tell everybody, you know, it's Russian roulette. If you ever buy a pill on the street, it can kill you. Um, Yeah. I feel like they need to know. I don't think they know that. I don't think they know that there's the danger of going to jail. They don't know. I mean, now they're starting to learn a little bit about the dangers you know, of taking something that it can kill them in an instant. And, um, you know, I just think education now is different than education was maybe when I was growing up. So you kind of grew up with, you know, if you take it one time, it, you know, it can hook you in and you'll become addicted to it. And we know that that's not actually true. Right. That, But it know, scared me enough to stay you. away from it. <laughs> it did what it, it was supposed to do and that it scared you. Yeah. Um, hasn't worked that way for lots of other people who it didn't. It didn't deter them from uh, from taking those substances. But it is true that the contaminated drug market now is such that you can get a bad, you know, a pill that's contaminated with fentanyl that has too much of it in there. There's lots of people taking fentanyl who aren't dying from it, but the, you know, the risk factor is much higher with fentanyl in it. And so they really can, or, you know, order something off Snapchat and, um, you know, or wherever, like it's not particular to Snapchat. It's just the access right. through social media, through so all these different kinds of internet access that they don't even have to know somebody 
you know, personally that they're going to go meet up with somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And so how has that changed maybe how you would have talked to your kids before Mm -hmm. and how you talk to them now? So I probably wouldn't have even ever had this conversation with them at all. Um, I just, you know, I, I might have had a little bit of a conversation with them, but now I want them to understand um, the danger of it. I, I want them, they, they know what Narcan is. Um, we have some at my home, in our house. Um, I read a story not too long ago about three boys, I believe it was in Pennsylvania. Um, they had gotten uh, some pills and they came to school and they, uh, one of they one of them was having a major overdose. Um, they went to the school nurse. The school nurse didn't, she wouldn't have known. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily known. They called the paramedics. Um, one of the boys who was in bad shape got, did get Narcan from them after a while, but he passed away and 13 year old, 13 year old children. Um, you know, I just think, the way the world is right now, like you just say, you know, or said that it's so easy to get and it's so easy to find kids younger and younger are getting their hands on it. Um, when I heard that story, my my first thought was, is I need to tell my children about this and I need to see if our school nurse has Narcan and knows how to spot an overdose. Um, so I called her. I was a little bit nervous about calling her. I just thought she's going to be like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. And her first words were, I've wanted to learn for a while now, and I definitely want some in our school. Um, we are trying to now get all the school nurses from uh, the Jackson area or whoever we can get from, I mean, outside the Jackson area to come in and learn how to do this, learn how to spot an overdose, learn how to administer Narcan and have some in their school or in their possession. Because um, you just never know. You think, oh, well, they're kids, they're young, they're in junior high, they'll, they don't, they don't know anything about this, but more and more we're learning that they do, they, they can get them, but they may not know the dangers of it. Um, That education piece is so incredibly important and is increasingly important. Um, I don't know if I even said that right, but in, in the world that we're living in today, I mean, it's, it's crucial that they know what's out there and they know the dangers um, of what's out there for their their safety. Yeah. Hey friends, you may be listening to this and you're new to this conversation or you don't agree with our perspective and that's fine. You're welcome here. But if you agree and you want to know what you can do to spread the movement, head over to enditforgood.com slash two minutes. That's the number two and the word minutes and sign up for our weekly two minutes for good email. It gives you one thing to do in less than two minutes to expand this conversation. You're busy and this is a quick way to make a difference. So are there times where since you've been here that you've felt like, um, you know, this is really making a difference. This kind of work is, um, this is purposeful. Um, This is a, you know, part of a mission that is actually making an impact in people's lives. Have you had that, um, that experience or what are the, the things maybe that you've seen that you feel like could, could make that possible, that it really could impact the course of someone's life? I think for me, things that, that I have seen have given people hope. I think that's what I have seen most is people who maybe they have a, a child or a family member that they're dealing with addiction. Um, 
certainly the harm reduction pieces that we do, I think it gives them hope. I mean, as a mother, you know, we all want our kids to make good decisions and do the right thing and make good grades and do well in their life. And, but I mean, they're, they're people are, you know, they're humans, they're going to do what they want to do. I don't care, whatever it is. Um, They don't always do what we want them to do. And so, you know, when someone's struggling with addiction and they're not sure, do I give them tough love? Do I, you know, do I, do I just cut them off? I mean, I, I think, I think I see those, those, that change in people's perspectives when we offer them the possibilities of harm reduction. These are the things you can do to help keep your loved one alive. Um, These are the things that you can do to still connect with them, to love them, to get them the help they need and get them better, whether it be therapy, whether it be, um, you know, some sort of treatment center, whether it be clean needles, whether it be, um, you know, MAT, you know, you once once they're gone, there is no there is nothing else. Um, keeping them alive is is the most important thing. And I think having those harm reduction measures available, um, where people are, it's normal that people can go get them. Where some that maybe are illegal now will be become legal. Um, I think that that's promising in their eyes that they see there's hope for their their loved one to get them to get them better. Mm-hmm. and still like, feel loved and connected yeah, to yes yes that's a that's a really great point I think that's maybe that's a I don't know that I've ever really thought about exactly like you just put it but it's kind of like we're saying you know currently there's kind of this um picture of you know either your loved one's addicted and they're kind of like we don't want them in our world they need to change first and then they can kind of be part of society mm-hmm. um whereas we're saying you know they're their life is, is worthwhile. They are valuable mm-hmm. as they are, even mm-hmm. if they're still addicted, they're like shifting to not just trying to help them once they meet us where we are, but mm-hmm. shifting to how can we meet them where they are? And yeah. like you said, like first keep them alive. And then mm-hmm. what are the steps that they might be open to taking to be healthier? And maybe that turns into, you know, eventually stopping using, but mm-hmm. Like you said, somebody who's, who's dead, there's no more opportunity there to help them make one step at a time. And so that's, I think that's very true that we're, I think people are most touched by um, offering them a way to uphold the value of their loved one, even before they stop using Uh, And we don't have a lot of space for that in our culture right now. It really is much more. So, you know, get your life together. Um, Well, so synchronized. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. And I think people feel, you know, like they don't talk about it. They don't talk about if they have somebody that's struggling a lot of times, it's really hidden and secretive and, and it shouldn't be, it should, you know, you should have, we should all have the space to go help one another and, and get them, um, you know, the help that, 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 that provider, that caregiver needs, um, because, mm-hmm. you know, they are, there are things out there that, that can help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what do you think, well, for what I'm curious, like what, um, since this was not on your radar, I'm guessing there's a lot of people, you know, for whom it's mm-hmm. not on their radar either, similar mm-hmm. to me. Um, mm-hmm. So what has kind of been your friend's perspective on this job that you took and this yeah. change of 
mind about these things, you know, with other people, with kids who we all want our kids to be healthy and safe. And this can be especially scary for parents thinking through, you know, Ooh, changing something about the way we approach drugs. Like, you know, I just want my kids to be very afraid and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> just don't do like, them. You just don't do them, make yeah. everything illegal, be very afraid. And then yeah. I, hopefully it will just sort of go away. Um, I think, I think where, well, where I am in particular, my kids are in private school. Um, I think that they think a lot, a lot like I used to think um, that I didn't, we didn't, I don't, I didn't really want them to use them because I didn't want them to be addicted or dependent on them. On, um, um, it's still, I mean, I still don't think the people in my circle really even think about prison if their child gets caught with marijuana um, or anything. Um I think they, I just don't think it crosses their mind. I think if that happened, they, they have the resources and the connections, um, you know, to hire an attorney and do the things that they need to do to, to get them out of it. But I think their, their worry is them being able to get, um, get, get drugs. They can get them today. Easy peasy. I mean, they, they don't have to really look hard, long and hard to even get them. So if they were legal and they were put behind, you know, a counter and there was more restrictions on them. I think it'd be harder for them to get. I think the worry that they have of them getting them is what can happen today, tomorrow, any day of the week. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the incarceration piece, I, I just don't even, I just don't know if that, if that is even not, is it not concern, but I don't think that's their first concern. I don't think that that's, I don't think that's their mm-hmm. top of mind concern if drugs were legal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So part of what we try to do is always mm-hmm. kind of helping people see this bigger picture than maybe what their particular like front and center um, concern is, which for mm-hmm. me with kids, I think, like you said, we just as parents, I think, lack the uh, the awareness of just how available drugs are to yeah, kids absolutely. right now, like mm-hmm. just how easily they can access them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the current approach isn't keeping them away from kids. It may be keeping them out of the sight of parents, <laughs> yeah. but it's not keeping them out of the way of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if they're legal for adults, like you were just saying, it would, you know, if we're, if we legalize for adults and have some age restrictions, that's interesting. I hope people caught that. What, what you said there, you said, you know, if we legalize and had more restrictions, which mm-hmm. is true, you only get to put restrictions on things that you have some Regulate. quality, like some regulation over. Mm-hmm. And if things are illegal, you lose all of that. You have no age restrictions, no potency, purity restrictions, no nothing. That's mm-hmm. just like the wild, wild west out there on the street, you know, with people getting whatever. Um, the Russian roulette. Like yeah, the Russian yeah. roulette. And so you you only get to say, okay, we're going to put it behind an age restricted counter if you allow it to be sold legally for an adult. And so um, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, you and I all the time we're talking about because we both have teenagers and, you know, they're right in that in that time frame where they're going to be exposed through whatever, no matter you know, how much we may try to keep them from exposure, the chances are extremely high that they're going to be exposed Mm -hmm. and offered, you know, some opportunity to use um, substances. And maybe they'll say no. Um, And, but if, but if they don't, we got to kind of reckon with, um, you know, what are they getting? How available Mm -hmm. is it to them? Um, And are there, are there ways that we could 
make them more safe, not just, you know, adults more safe, but are there, right. can we make our children safer by changing the way that we, um, approach that? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to share as we wrap up? Uh, this has been super helpful. I think you, you and I, in some ways represent just kind of like regular moms out there. Like mm-hmm. we weren't, you know, we don't have a personal experience of addiction, just, you know, just yeah. regular people out there trying to keep our kids safe um, and realizing maybe that some of the ways that we've approached substances aren't keeping them as safe as, mm-hmm. as we want them to be. But um, anything else in closing? Well, I just think that the work that we are doing, I mean, one of the reasons why I love what I do is because I do feel like what we are doing can be world changing. Um, I think so many people have been affected by the drug war if they're in prison or if they've had a loved one that has um, died of an overdose or addicted. I think what we are doing is going to really affect families in a positive way. I think people that are in prison um, for, you know, some drugs are, you know, they, it's not just them that is being affected. It's families, it's their communities. We'll never incarcerate ourselves out of the drug war. Never, ever, ever. Um, but it's, it, 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 it's generational. These problems will just affect the gener- next generation, the next generation, and the next generation down the road. I mean, we learned it with alcohol prohibition. We fixed the problem. Are there still harms out there? Yes, there are still bad things. There's always going to be bad things. But a lot of things were stopped by making alcohol um, legal and, and regulated. And I just think the more people that understand that, um, the more we can help generations um, in the future. So mm-hmm. I'm glad mm-hmm. to be doing this work. Yeah. And I think your, your point um, as we close about kind of, you know, the, the lack of fear over incarceration um, that may be leaving people with questions in their minds, like, Hmm, why, why, why would that be? Um, so there's a lot of that has to do with kind of um, uh, anecdotally, with officers we've talked to who've just talked about like the way that enforcement happens where enforcement is largely happening in communities where the resources to fight those charges are not present. And so for you, like you mentioned, you know, I, I don't think it's a big fear because people have connection. They have the resources to hire an attorney. Um, They know attorneys who do this kind of work. They, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, the relational capital to be able to, um, to not have, now that doesn't always mean that's going to shield you from a prison sentence, but um, we know that the criminal justice system is uh, there are far more people of lower income Mm -hmm. that are incarcerated than of, you know, higher income. And so Mm -hmm. part of that is that there's, you know, when you, arrest someone, you want those charges to stick. You don't just want to arrest for nothing. Um, and that's just less uh, probable in um, communities or, you know, uh, places where there's more resources to fight those um, charges. And so absolutely, I think that's, that was a, the big, you know, kind of learning curve for me too to kind of, um, understand, you know, it's not, it's not the difference between good kids and bad kids. Um, It's the difference between lots of kids all doing the same thing. 
Um, but some of them just end up getting caught and some of them don't have the resources to be able to, to, to fight that. Um, or to be able to, you know, have an attorney who helps explain the the plea bargaining system with them or get them a, a better plea deal since most people end up pleading, you know, mm-hmm. pleading guilty to something so that they can take a deal instead of the, you know, going to trial. And so there's just lots of complexity around that, that for us, we want to help people who may not have had that experience in their community to mm-hmm. think like, why is this even, why are we even talking about incarceration when we're talking about drugs? Right. Like, that I doesn't, I don't know anyone that that has impacted. Right. We have to look outside of our own experiences then and see Absolutely. what are the experiences of other people who are impacted and can I put myself in their shoes, even if it's not the shoes that I inhabit. Um, and can I see the harm that that would be doing to their family if that was my family? Right. Exactly. But putting themselves in those shoes. I mean, that's what I do. I feel like when I hear things like that, I do, I try to imagine what if it was me, what if it were my kids and it makes a difference. It really does. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. Just fun. Was fun. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the end of a good podcast. We'll be back again um, with more episodes and more people whose minds were changed, more people who are on the journey, more people um, whose lives were impacted positively or negatively as we are um, learning together about ways that we can approach drugs that prioritize life and the opportunity to thrive. That's what all of our work is focused on. Um, and we're glad you're here for it. So how do we shift our drug policies from a criminal justice approach to a public health approach? By inviting one person at a time to change their mind. Changed minds are the catalyst to changed laws. But many people are only willing to have this conversation when they're invited to by someone that they trust. That's you. Invite your friends, coworkers, other people in your circle of influence to consider a better way. At End It For Good, our hope is that people who hear will become people who tell. Start a conversation and join the movement to end it for good.